Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be doing a podcast pretty much strictly on the trade deadline and what you could see from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now we do have a game tonight however I feel like in the grand scheme of things this trade deadline is going to be pretty pivotal at least for our near future maybe even long term so I think it's kind of worth just making a podcast strictly on this now if you guys want to look at the preview or anything like that I might have an article out on my website kylesingler for mvpcom or I can just tell you this right now I mean the Oklahoma City Thunder they're going to be missing Hill obviously Baisley's gone Josh Hall's out as per usual and you got Myers Leonard but you also with this you're getting Lou Dort and you're getting Al Horford back so make it as you will, the Grizzlies are only going to have Jaron Jackson Jr. out. He has not played with the Grizzlies really all season long. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch tonight. But the trade deadline is really the big story all around the league and really here in Oklahoma City as well. Now, the deadline is tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. So as I'm recording this right now, we are approaching 23 hours until the trade deadline. Once you guys hear this, there's probably going to be some trades circulating, and some of them may already have to do with Thunder players. I got my notifications on, so if any trades come in, you're going to get my live reaction. I don't know if that's going to happen because it seems like all the deals at the deadline seem to kind of come in all at once like an avalanche. And, you know, we've had a couple of drops here and there really coming on the Thunder's side whenever you had Diallo moving and then you had um, some other moves like Tory Craig going into Phoenix's hands but those aren't really big moves there's a lot of big guys on the market there's a lot of small guys on the market and there are a lot of picks that could potentially be exchanging hands in the next 24 hours so with our team I have pretty much broken down every single one of the points I'm going to be talking about today and if you guys have been listening throughout this week you guys know that I have been stressing the players that have been available. I think it's kind of clear. It's about six to seven guys that we are actively trying to trade or we have on the market. There you go with Shams right there. And it is about coronavirus. So 485 people have been tested since March 17th. And only one player has gotten COVID. So that's pretty good numbers. And he also just tweeted again. It's the exact same tweet. So yeah, I'm going to have it on. I might actually science this so it's not as loud, but yeah, I'm, I'm listening on them. If any trades come in, I'll make sure to drop them in the middle of this, but just kind of gravitating a little bit back towards the Thunder realm. I've been talking about potential players that the Thunder could be going after by the deadline, players that we are looking to move and just contenders. I haven't really gone in depth on the contenders needs yet, but that's kind of what this episode is going to be about, but it's going to be all encompassing. So all three of those, I'm going to give you everything you really need to know heading into the trade deadline. And I think we're just going to get right into it because as of right now, I think it's pretty clear that the Oklahoma City Thunder, they are trying to, you know, make some sort of move, whether it's going to the bottom of the standings or maybe even elevate into the plans with our current record they kind of have that flexibility to do either but I think you'd almost prefer that they kind of start dropping down in the standings because they are in the middle of the hunt you know they are looking like one of those teams that will have the ninth tenth best odds when it comes lottery time and with the Houston Rockets 
you know, kind of in just free fall right now, it's going to be a toss-up on whether or not you get that pick anyways. So you're looking at the Thunder. If they continue here, probably getting the ninth or 10th pick. And, you know, with the records kind of so close, we've been kind of stuck with the New Orleans Pelicans all season. Both teams are 19 and 24. They might be looking to move Lonzo Ball. We might be looking to move other assets. There's going to be a lot of fluctuation, especially in this Western Conference. And now you throw in the Lakers not having AD and LeBron for like a month, they could start slipping down the ranks. So everybody kind of wants a piece in this trade deadline. And that's what makes this so, so unique in the sense that you could see a lot of things change between now and the end of the year in terms of where we are currently sitting in the standings. So that that is why there's going to be some potential people being on the market for our team. And I think that really, if we're looking at who would be going after our players, it's going to be coming from the contenders. So I kind of ranked what I would say are the three top sellers or buyers, my bad, for our kind of market. Now you have the Boston Celtics who there are reports that they'd be interested in getting players, but I think it's kind of obvious that their bread and butter would kind of come in the buyout market. Their main target, John Collins, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Atlanta's looking to keep him and coming from a guy of his stature I'm just going to take that as truth so if he's off the board what do you look at Aaron Gordon Aaron Gordon's kind of the money prize there and the things that we have to offer to them really aren't that appetizing I mean Al Horford's one with the trade exception that they got from Horford but outside of that I don't know if we really have a lot to bring to them so I don't have them on this list but they're definitely a contender who could be making a splash but I think the other three that are kind of obvious are going to be the LA Clippers, the LA Lakers, and the Philadelphia 76ers. So going on to the Clippers, I mean, they have had traces back to, you know, some of our guys for about 10 days now. And it's George Hill that has been really just in realms of everywhere. I think everybody knows that there are a couple teams interested in George Hill, and we have the specifics. Other teams, we just hear certain contenders. We know with George Hill that the Los Angeles Clippers have shown interest. This came from Shams the Athletic. Another guy, really, him and Adrian Wojnarowski are the best in the business, so you have to take what he is saying pretty much as truth. So, I mean, looks like they've made some sort of offer to Sam Presti, and this is kind of stuff that I've commented about. Um, this is going to be kind of a little bit taken away from my thoughts whenever the deal or the original rumors happened, but I was trying to kind of think up a mock trade for a player like George Hill and how the Los Angeles Clippers maybe would want to get him because I don't think he's just a second round pick he might need to spice it up a little bit to get someone like him and now with them having an extra roster spot they traded like Cabin Gelly or something and then they swapped seconds with the Kings they have 14 players left so you know they're going to probably look to get someone in the buyout market or pick up players I think George Hill is one of those guys that they'd really be interested in they need a point guard He's making $9.5 million though this season. And then next year, he has a little bit of a gig where he doesn't have a lot of guaranteed money. I think it's around like $1.2, million, $1.3 that is guaranteed for his next season. If you just waive him, that's all you're paying. But if you keep him on, he's going to be a $10 million expiring as a 35-year-old. I don't know if the Los Angeles Clippers want to do that, but it's kind of up to them. If they think he can seriously be a great player for the next two years, by all accounts, they probably will keep that on the roster because they do need point guards and they're kind of hard to come around especially one with the experience that George Hill does at a pretty 
low asking price. But the thing that hurts here is for the Clippers to get someone like George Hill, they need to give up someone who's making pretty decent money. And the only two guys that really are in trade circles right now that could match salaries or get you close are Ivaka Zubac and Lou Williams. I don't think Zubac is going to get dealt for a player like George Hill. Then they're going to have an issue at the center position, and that's when it kind of gets pretty bad for them. Unless they think they can get someone like Drummond or LaMarcus Aldridge if they fall out in the buyout market, I don't I don't see it happening. So I think that Zubac on a $7 million contract would not work. Lou Williams, he's making $8 million. He's 34 more of that shot grader type, not as much of a playmaker, you know, pass first guy. George Hill is, so I think that probably would be an upgrade for them, but I don't know if they want to lose out on Lou Williams either. He's an integral part of their bench unit, so I think you'd almost need a third team for George Hill to get into LA's hands, but they do have some very highly coveted second round picks that we could be using. Now, they already shipped out their future to us. We have all their picks pretty much from now until like 20... 26 or something wild like that because that Paul George trade that they completely botched up but they do have seconds and they were able to pretty much take Landry Shamit and a couple other scraps I don't know the exact details on on what it was but they were able to get a pretty quality package I mean I think they got yeah they got Luke Kennard and then they had three second round picks that came their way from Detroit and I think it was like a mega trade it was either a three-team deal four team deal there were just more than two teams so he the uh the Clippers they end up getting Kennard but they also get three second round picks from the Detroit Pistons in 2024 2026 and 2027 we don't know where the Detroit Pistons will be by then but I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say those picks are probably gonna be top 40 at least in that 2024 frame when you get to 2026 and 2027 you really can't predict that far down the line but I'm just gonna assume those picks are not gonna be you know, that high up to where there's no value. I think those are some valuable valuable picks you could get. If you get two of those, that's amazing, but you still need to make the money work, and that's where it gets a little bit rocky for any move, but that's kind of my primary target. I think the Los Angeles Clippers will be looking at. That's George Hill, and for the Los Angeles Lakers, they kind of are looking all across the board here. They want wings. They're linked to being interested in George Hill. This is new. Um, New reports that have been saying this, like in the last couple days, we've heard that the Lakers have inquired about George Hill, but they, they need wings. And you know what that means? That means Kenrich Williams is probably right in that conversation with them. And we don't know who has called about Kenrich Williams, but I'm going to say that Los Angeles probably has. I think a lot of these playoff teams have at least asked what they would need to give up to get someone like Kenrich Williams. And there was even a quote from Brian Windhorst that kind of backs this. They said the Lakers have been working on the phone since a LeBron injury looking for wing players. Ken Rich Williams is the ideal wing for a playoff contender, especially one that wants to go on a multiple year run. They have AD, they have LeBron, you get all these other pieces and Harold Schroeder. If they can keep that core together and they can fill out the bench with some cheap options, they're set. And Ken Rich Williams is the cream of the crop in that category. $6 million over the next three years, you're not going to find that value from anyone else. So they most definitely probably care about getting someone like Kenrich. But the hitch is this. He went off from that first quote, and he continued to go on and say, the problem is they don't really have a heck of a lot to offer. They discuss Contavious Caldwell-Pope in trade scenarios. But from what I am told, they are not willing to include a draft pick or their best player, which is Taylor Horton-Tucker. And without those two, 
things to Greece. I don't know if they're going to get that kind of wing that could make a difference. I think if Kenner Williams is traded, it's going to have to be for a young asset or a pretty high pick. I don't think you're going to get him with a bare minimum second round uh, um, offer. And this was something that John Hollinger said of The Athletic in one of his articles. You start with at least a second round pick. And that's not that's probably not just going to get it to you straight up. You need more to kind of spice that up. And we've heard that Kenrich Williams most likely will not get traded. And Oklahoma City likes him a lot. I honestly don't give that much validity. I think that's just kind of noise to maybe ramp up offers, get leverage or something. I don't think he's in the clear. I think he's still actively being looked at in potential deals. So you have that going for you. But if you're going to trade with the Lakers, you're going to need picks or you're going to need Taylor Horton Tucker. And Taylor Horton Tucker is the main prize. This is a guy that I talked about yesterday. This is a guy I plastered on my blog. This is a guy that you need. He's 20 years old. He like turned 20 in the like November 25th or something like that. He He's pretty young and he's only a sophomore. He enters restricted free agency this upcoming offseason and he's gonna have a lot of people trying to toss him money so if you get him in a trade you're gonna have to match an offer sheet that's probably pretty high for him but the potential's there that's what the thunder need so i think tan horn tucker is golden i think everybody in the league has been looking at him in a very high light i even saw something on twitter where you know there was a thing where you know would you give up Taylor horn tucker for miles turner and the majority of the votes said no I'm not going to that extent to say the Lakers would never do that, but he definitely does have some potential, and it seems like the whole NBA landscape really just thinks that he could really turn into something for Los Angeles or just whatever team he's going to play with, and now with LeBron AD out, he's going to have even more time to shine. He's been averaging around 13 points in the month of March right now. From three, he's been rocky, but everywhere else, he's looked very good, offense and defensively. So he gives you that perfect wing you can kind of work with, the Lakers would get a guy in Kenrich Williams who they can use for the future. If you're getting Taylor Horton Tucker, you're going to need to give up picks most likely. A second round pick or two, I'd probably do it. I think Kenrich, you know, in a typical situation, you would be the one getting picks. But when you get someone like Taylor Horton Tucker, he's more valuable than two second round picks. You know what I'm saying? So I think you might have to overpay to get someone like THT, but it'd probably be worth it in my eyes. And the issue is, if he's not on the table, I don't really know how Kenrich Williams is going to get moved over there. Especially if you're going to say that you're not giving up picks either. What are you going to trade? A bag of cookies? You don't have anything to move around at that point outside of like Contavious Caldwell Pope. But why would the Thunder want that guy? There's no reason they would. So they don't have anything to offer if they're not going to give up picks or Taylor Horn Tucker. And I think if they do give up Taylor Horn Tucker, it's probably going to be getting some sort of star here. So it's a little bit out there that the Thunder could get Taylor Horn Tucker, but I'm just a big fan of him. So I, I decided to add him on. You know, I think Kenrich Williams definitely has been in the Lakers camps, the circles um, in that franchise. So might as well just toss it out there. Outside of that, though, like I said, George Hill's also been in the mix. He's a guy that will need picks, and you got to match salaries with him as well. I also, I think that the Lakers don't have as much to bring. I still think I'd probably take the Clippers there if they're willing to make a deal, which they have since they've placed an offer. I probably wouldn't look to the Los Angeles Lakers for a deal because if they're not giving up picks, not giving up THT, it wouldn't work out. And a package deal with like Kenrich and George Hill, yeah, I'll, I'd love to do that for 
Tatum Horton Tucker, but I don't see them really working for either of those two guys. Only dude I could potentially see is Mike Muscala because they will need a stretch four. They don't really have one right now. And if Montrez Harrell gets shipped out, you're going to have a big void at the four and the five spot. You can patch Mike Muscala right in if you're just giving up a second round pick. I think both sides come out of that pretty happy. Mike Muscala is not going to, you know, be getting a big collection back. It's just going to be a second round pick, a handshake, and you know, that that's going to be that there. So I think that the Lakers probably would be a sweet spot for Mike Muscala compared to some of the other names that have been thrown around. He doesn't have a clear-cut market as Kenneth Williams does not either, but I'd also assume Los Angeles has talked about Mike Muscala at least a little bit. So that's kind of the, the team that I think would be interested in most of our players, or at least, yeah, I, I think there's a various amount of people that are on the, on the block, but I feel like Los Angeles probably has been talking about a lot more than them some than some of these other teams probably would. And the 76ers are a team that I could see being interested in multiple guys as well. I I know for a fact that, you know, they've been high on George Hill for longer than anyone else that we know of. It's been over a month since the 76ers have been talking with Sam Presti about this guy. The first reports came in February 25th, and we are approaching March 25th. So yeah, you're looking at a month right now and seems like the phone calls just are going to keep coming in. And the mock deal that kind of has been floating around and it's the one that makes sense if you're doing a one for one, just two team deal. It's going to be OKC getting Mike Muscala, someone like Tony Bradley or Terrence Ferguson in a second round pick while, you know, Philadelphia, they're going to get George Hill. I'm not crazy in love with this because you know, you already know Mike Scott. He's a $5 million expiring. He's not going to be with you for that long. And then Tony Bradley, he's actually looked very good, and I think you could use him, but he's going to get off his deal and hit free agency. And if I, be, I believe he's just going to be unrestricted. I don't know if you're going to have any rights on him at this point. So I don't think he's a guy that you for sure know you're going to have long term. And then that second round pick, I'm not looking at that crazy pretty much this is just a second round pick for George Hill and you can do a lot better than that the deals that I have kind of thought up it always comes back to Paul Reed and that's another one where I'm way out there and obviously Paul Reed's probably going to be untouchable especially for a dude who's 34 years old like you would never do this this is only stuff where the Thunder would seriously be giving them like a first round pick or something you need to give a ton of sweeteners to pry away Paul Reed the G League MVP took it away from Moses Brown somehow, that guy, you're not going to get him for simple veterans. You're going to need some more guys. So if you want to get someone like Paul Reed, it's probably not going to happen in the first place, but that's the guy that you need to be kind of highlighting in a deal. He's on a two-way contract. You bring him in. You have to upgrade his contract. I feel like you could probably do that off of some of these other moves, but that's just kind of my frame of mind here. I think that you know, if you're looking at it from a logical standpoint, Paul Reed's off the table. Can't rule it out with Sam Presti, though. He loves kind of manipulating things in his way and get some kind of unattainable players, you'd probably imagine. But I don't know. I think that right here, if you're going to give it to Philadelphia, uh, George Hill, that is, you're just going to get like a second round pick, maybe two if you're lucky, and then just some salary fillers. That's not all that bad. I think two second round picks for George Hill is pretty decent. Whenever you start talking about Kendrick Williams, then it's like, I probably would not do that unless I know for sure those are going to be top 40, but you can never really know on those picks if they're kind of a couple years 
down the line anyways. I think that honestly, they probably could use someone like Mike Muscala too if you're going to have to move Mike Scott out. Mike Scott's making 5 mil, Muscala's making right over $2 million, so you end up saving 3 mil for a guy who's way more productive than Mike Scott would be. And maybe they just give a second round pick and this is a completely different deal on its own. But I think he's another guy you can just throw in packages. He's the specialty item that you kind of throw into any of these deals to be that sweetener. And I think it'd probably work out because everybody needs a stretch four in the current landscape of the NBA. So those are my three kind of teams that I have inked down on here. And I think whenever you just look at look at it from who's number one, who's number two on our team in terms of where Sam Presti may be looking to go in terms of moving pieces away. And number one, our best asset is Kenrich Williams. He came in as practically a nobody. I mean, he entered the Thunders training camp, honestly, with no hope. Like, I did not think he was going to be on our 15-man roster, especially over players like TJ Leaf, Schofield, and um, Frank Jackson, really. I- I'm surprised Frank Jackson didn't make it. But he's he was way older than everybody else. And with that contract, the only guaranteed money was this season. Like, he is not guaranteed for the next two years. So I thought he was just going to get two mil. He was going to be very happy. And then he was going to move on. That's what happened with the other guys that we got in this. We got George Hill from that move. We got Zylan Cheatham. And then we got Joshua Gray. I think Joshua Gray is playing like he played in the Orlando. I think Cheatham did too. They, I think Gray might have even started playing overseas already. But they got like $2 million for being on a team. They signed a piece of paper and then they got $2 million. They were done. That's the, That was, you know, that was a pretty nice day for them, even though they didn't get to suit up for the squad. But Kendrick Williams, he grinded and he found himself in this rotation and he has deserved every single chance he's got. He can start for us and be amazing. He's that player that has kind of prevented us from being a low level team in the NBA. And take that as you will. But I think, you know, if you seriously want to get high odds at a top draft pick, Kenrich Williams probably cannot be in your plans right now because he does help out that bench a little bit too much. So you maybe might try to move him around and get him where his talents will be used in like a playoff push. And, you know, they actually are trying to win every single game. Not that the Thunder aren't, but you got to think that in the back of their heads, Presti, you know, he probably does want a top pick in this draft. He's eyeballing some people in the top uh, five, six guys. So, you get him, and now he's amazing. So he does have that market value. You don't know exactly what he's going to bring you in. As I stated with John Hollinger, the minimum is a second-round pick, and that's just where you start working. I feel like that is just the com- like a complete low-ball offer. He's one of the best contracts in the league. You're not going to find a dude in the second round as good as this guy, you know, nine out of ten times anyways so you don't move him for a straight up second round pick this is a guy that can probably be with you for the future right now and he's in this spot where I guess teams are not entirely sold on him being a three and d player he's shooting over 40 percent from three in the month of February he was shooting like 47 and a half percent or something wild like that he was not missing and it seems like he's a serious three and d candidate but opposing sides are trying to play it off like he's not. Maybe it's so that they don't have to give up enough or as much, but he's definitely a 3 and D player. And when you look at down the line of 3 and D candidates, they tend to get you first round picks. Covington got you two. And I'm not comparing Kendrick Williams to Robert Covington at this stage. Robert Covington established himself. 
Kendrick Williams kind of just emerged onto the scene. So I could see not giving two first round picks to that guy. That'd be kind of crazy. But one first round pick, it actually does make sense for someone like him. So I would say a first round pick is definitely a valid offer for a guy like Williams. And two seconds, you know, it's better than one, but I'm not so sure if that's going to tilt the scales. I think for Kenrich Williams, especially if these rumors are true that the Thunder aren't entirely looking to get rid of him, you're going to need to give up a young player or you're going to need to give up a pretty lucrative pick down the line, aka like a first round pick of some sorts. So that's why I was talking about Taylor Horton Tucker. That's why I was talking about Paul Reed. I don't know if you're going to get there. I think it's another situation like Hamadou Diallo. You move him, you get another young player who's kind of under the radar, and you start building with him, and you also get two seconds or, or whatever it may be. But I, I'm really a big fan of Kendrick Williams. I think everybody who watches the games do. He's one of the bright spots off that bench, and he could definitely keep growing with us, and that value would go up. But... You know, it's kind of risky because if he just drops back down, the value is going to be completely gone. You can't say he's one of the best contracts in the league. As of right now, I think his value is going to be higher than it probably ever will be because you're going to get three playoff runs out of him for dirt cheap money. So I think this whole entire second round pick deal is kind of ridiculous. I don't think that's going to be the value coming Sam Presti's way tomorrow. I think it's going to be at least two second round picks or a young player. So that's the guy that is going to get you the best of the best talent you're going to find in our hall come trade deadline day. And the other players that you can kind of look at as someone who could get maybe a little value is someone like Al Horford. And what I mean by that, you're just kind of getting the money off the books. He's on that pretty nasty $3 million, or not $3 million, three-year $81 million contract, all guaranteed because Philadelphia for whatever reason, thought he would pair well with Joel Embiid. He didn't. So we have him, and he's good. He's good and all, and he's done his role like exceptionally well. He's a good pick-and-pop guy with Shea, but we don't need him. He's too old, 34 years old. Shea's 22. Pretty much everybody's under 25 here. So he's not going to work out with us, but there are teams that are contending or on the outside looking in that probably could use his services. If it wasn't for that $27 million price tag, a lot more teams could probably look into getting someone like Big Al. But the two teams that would be in this market would be the Boston Celtics and the um, the Chicago Bulls. Now, the Celtics, they've been rumored to want Andre Drummond. Now, it's kind of like if Drummond gets bought out, he'd want to go to the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. And then they'd probably be thinking, you know, maybe we could have looked at Al Horford. But they can do this because that gigantic trade exception that they got out of uh, Gordon Hayward then they mo- uh, whenever they moved him to the Charlotte Hornets. So they have that space to actually bring him onto the team. They need some more front court help. Daniel Tice and um, Tristan Thompson aren't really doing it for them right now. So it makes sense to try to get someone like Al Horford. But their eyes are set on the younger prospects. Their eyes are set on John Collins, set on Aaron Gordon. Horford, he'd be an upgrade, but they don't want to pay that kind of money to somebody who is not going to be, at age 36, worth that money. He's probably not even worth that money right now. So they'd rather get someone like a Gordon or a John Collins where they're going to be paying him on average around $27 million in their next contract, and he's going to have a real future that entire time. Al Horford, when he's done with his contract, what is he going to be doing? What is he going to get a minimum offer? Is he going to be out of the league? We don't know. 
he's definitely not going to be making 10 plus million dollars on that next deal he's going to be making around a veteran minimum so I see why they don't have him on the high pecking order I don't think he's looked up as this major target as some might make it out to be I think that he kind of is just going to be a last resort move for some of these teams if they can't find any ways to substantiate a deal I think Chicago they are in a different boat than the Boston Celtics because they just straight up don't have a center Celtics you know Daniel Tice and Thompson they're doing decent and then you got Robert Williams who's he's actually been looking pretty good Chicago they don't really have any true center to lean on right now Laurie Markkinen he's in the trade circles right now Wendell Carter Jr. is not really doing the job for you so you need a true center Al Horford does it and they have a contract in Otto Porter Jr. probably the biggest expiring or one of the biggest expirings in the entire league right now it's a 28.4 million dollar contract and you can move him over and you're gonna be good there but I feel like you would have to give more up to get Otto Porter Jr. because you know they're gonna have him latched on for three years you get 28 million dollars off the book I think if anything Chicago would probably want to keep Otto Porter Jr. anyways and if you do find a way to make a deal you're gonna need to give up trade um like picks and all that and if you know you aren't in big necessity of that expiring you can add a third team there's a lot of teams who want to be making a splash in this free agency class anyways so that's kind of the only two options I really see here. If there's any other teams that make a pitch or trade for him, I'm gonna be crazy. I'm gonna be going crazy. Like I just don't know how it happened. But this is NBA trade deadline day is always wild, so we can just kind of see what happens on his part. I'm not completely sold on him getting traded to any of those other 27 teams, though. I think George Hill is a guy I keep talking about here, but it's because everybody likes him. You already know the Clippers, Lakers, and 76ers want him as I said, but there's going to be more teams who are going to need him as well, and there's going to be a lot of secret probably deals headed their way. There are teams that do need point guards. The Chicago Bulls, they need him. They need a point guard. They've been linked to Lonzo Ball, and I, I believe the um, they were mock trades going around. I was watching the Woj and um, Low little special they had going on at ESPN today, and they were proposing that you just do a deal where Lonzo goes to the Chicago Bulls and Lori Markman goes to the Pelicans. You kind of work out Zion, Hayes, and all those people fitting in. But, you know, the Chicago Bulls, they need a point guard. I guess Thomas Sadaransky and Kobe White aren't doing it for them there. So you can build around Lonzo. That makes sense. But if they can't find that option and they want to be able to try to make it in the play-in games, George Hill does make logical sense there because he is a proven point guard. I think you could probably just keep going. The Atlanta Hawks, they talked for a brief moment about Lonzo Ball too, so they need a point guard. George Hill definitely would help them out there, and then you kind of just make salaries work. But yeah, this isn't a three-team race with George Hill. This is going to be one of those where it's kind of going to be a toss-up on where he's going to go to. I don't think that, you know, it's it's just these three guys like I'm saying I'm not going to be shocked if it's a random team that you just would never expect would have any sort of care in the world about George Hill but yeah I think he's nice there he's looked great with Shea he's going to look great on his next team I don't think he's going to stick around with the Thunder if we hold him on till next year he may just not be even tradable I think the only 
bright part would be that $10 million expiring contract. Be more like a Trevor Ariza situation where you're dishing him out for almost a negative asset. Like Myers Leonard, you're going to have to waive him. So we kind of just did them a solid there to get a second round pick out of things. And we're going to have to wave and, wave and stretch Leonard unless there's an absolute miracle of a trade that comes our way. But yeah, I think that Hill's going to have two times as much value now as he will next year. So you move him. He's going to be that surefire guy you know will be out the door. And then outside of that, you get the Mike Muscalas. You get Justin Jackson, Darius Miller. Those guys are only second-round picks. And Mike Muscala, he's definitely better than those two. I posted my, um, you know, whenever I did this little podcast on, like, the, the market and, like, who we would be looking to trade, I made an article on it. I posted it. On Reddit, one of the comments was like, why would you say Mike Muscala is in the same category as Justin Jackson and Darius Miller? I don't think he is skill-wise. I think trade value-wise, he probably is because he's not going to get you more than a second-round pick. The only way you're going to get more out of him is if you kind of bundle him up with some of these other players because, as I said, he's a stretch four. He's shooting 37% on threes, and he's looked great as a pick-and-pop player. Every contender would be drooling for this guy. I think for that second-round pick that you're asking for, Every team should be at least thinking about it, if not be willing to just offer up a trade. I think they're just waiting to see, or they're trying to predict who's going to be the worst out of their 5, 10 teams that lined up a second round pick or whatever. But you can try to move him in in a package deal, and you make it work out. I think in a three-team deal, it also makes sense. That's just where you find him. I think when it comes to um, Justin Jackson and Darius Miller... It's really not like that. With Darius Miller, he's just a $7 million expiring. He can shoot the ball pretty well, but I don't know if he's going to play significant time on a contender. Justin Jackson, kind of like Shima Kailuk in the fact that you'd bring him on, you'd test him out for a couple months, then he's going to hit restricted free agency. He's not going to make a lot of money in restricted free agency. So you can match an offer sheet and kind of turn him into another Kenneth Williams where you get him on his second contract and you kind of see if he can grow into a piece of your bench for really no money at all in NBA terms. So that that's what you kind of look at in those those three names. I don't really see much going on with any of them. I'm a little bit shocked that Justin Jackson has been in the trades, and I guess there are teams that are willing to take a flyer on him. He's only 25 years old, so it does make at least a little bit of sense here. I wouldn't mind trading him. He's not going to be in your long-term plans, neither of these other two guys. Mike Muscala is going to be great. I think Darius Miller, you kind of just hold on to him. And once he hits the free agent market, maybe it's a minimum contract. I could see that not working out for him, though. And then Justin Jackson, he may see a minimum contract or something come his way um, for a team that, that's in desperation of like a, a three or four who can at least kind of space the floor out. Gives that effect off. So you get that. And then the last dude is going to be Myers Leonard for you. And... As I said, he's just a buyout, really. He's not going to be able to get traded. And if he does, it's going to have to be in the mega, mega package where you just got to make salaries work out. I don't know if he's going to be playing. I mean, he's hurt for the rest of the season, and he's not going to get picked up on his next year. Does he get signed from that point on? I honestly have no clue what's going to happen to Myers Leonard, but he's not going to be in our organization. I don't think he's going to be with anyone this season or maybe even into the future. So that's kind of my status on him. I think that you have, as I listed, what? I think that's like, that's that's six names, yeah. Six names I think that probably are getting offers, and then you have 
Myers Leonard, who we want to move, but we probably will not be able to move him anyways. Now, there's kind of this, I don't know, there's kind of some murmurs that, like, maybe there's more players that are being thrown into offers, and there's only a couple untouchables on teams. That's kind of how it tends to work out. I mean, we saw James Harden leave, and it's like, why the hell would you trade him over some of these other guys? And they were puzzling moves. I think the Frank Jackson getting waived, that was confusing as hell. I, I got over it. He hasn't been playing that great with Detroit. But, I mean, he balled out and he didn't make it. And then you had Hamadou Diallo looking better than ever. You also kind of cut him out. Now, Shvi, he looks better than Diallo, at least for what we need. So I'm happy about the trade now. But just things like that. Like, a lot of these players that you don't expect to get moved end up getting moved anyway. So if they don't see certain people fitting for the future, they're going to get moved out. And the way I see the roster, I think that the seven guys I listed are the only ones that aren't fitting with our current timeline. I think Shea, Dort, Poku, Baisley, Moses Brown, Maladon, Jerome. I might just be repeating myself here, but you get it. Like, those eight guys that I haven't named, they work out. They're going to be effective for us moving down the line here. But if there's an offer that comes up where, you know, you got a John Collins or a Markkinen or something on the market and their make or break deal is give me Isaiah Roby or give me Darius Baisley, could Presti fold? I'm not ruling that entirely out of the picture here. I think that Presti, he's known to make some kind of bold moves that catches people off guard. And that would definitely kind of be in his bag of tricks, trading one of those young guys where it's like, isn't the whole entire point you just making this roster super young? Why would you trade out one of your young guys that looks pretty promising for another young guy that looks pretty promising? Wouldn't you just want to stack all those on top of each other? And the answer would be yes, but we have so many picks that, you know, it's going to get tight when it comes down to it. And we may just turn into a fire sale where we're just auctioning off draft picks for like future draft picks and just not that great of a value so I get it like you need to manage for the future here I don't know if all eight of those guys that I have kind of on that safe list would stay with us in the next five years it's probably not likely not likely at all honestly you're gonna probably have four or five of those guys still sticking around so I don't know. I don't know if you do it this trade deadline, and there's been no reports on what Presti would do, but he always kind of throws in those curveball deals, at least sometimes into these seasons. Not every single trade deadline, but he definitely has had those moments where it's like, whoa, why would you make that deal? You know, the Serge Ibaka trade comes to mind. James Harden won too. I don't want to talk about it, but that Serge Ibaka draft day deal, it was really good, but it's also like, wow. Because Serge Ibaka was such a big piece with us. You move him for Victor Oladipo, the rights to Debonis Sabonis, and you have KD hitting free agency. Like, that's a bold move. He's not afraid to do that kind of stuff. And that's just right up his alley, trading in a guy like Roby or Baisley. And if I was to bet on it, if I was going to Vegas, I'd probably say none of those guys end up getting moved. But there's probably going to be some people that are crushed if you know, someone unexpected gets moved. And I think even if Kendrick Williams gets traded, a lot of people's souls would just be completely gone. But that's just kind of my take on, you know, everything going on in the trading landscape. 
if I were to run down the names of some bright prospects that I might see chatter coming about, it's going to be John Collins, Markinen, and Taylor Horton Tucker. Those are my top three, at least. John Collins seems to be out now, and Markinen, he's not as good of a fit as Collins would be. Markinen's a stretch four. He hasn't looked good at the center position. If Baisley is going to be the future at the four, then you're going to be clashing with minutes, and that's kind of an issue. So I don't know if you'd take that gamble, to be quite honest with you, but he's definitely a very good shooter, and he'd be great for a pick-and-pop situation with our team. He can also slash very well, and with Mark Dagnall, kind of making sure everybody's involved and getting every single one of their skill sets kind of just ironed out. Yeah, I think he'd definitely look great in a Thunder uniform. He's going to need probably like 20-plus mil in free agency, so you need to get ready to to pay him and then with Taylor Horn Tucker you're gonna need to pay him too but he'd be great and then those other guys that kind of would be like way out of line like I highly doubt it would happen it's like the Lonzo Balls if you want to pair him with Shea I think every single fan base is like should we get Lonzo Ball it's kind of like unrealistic and it work like he'd be good but he kind of takes away from SGA's ball handling presence I think it needs to be a 50-50 cut and Lonzo probably would not do that so a little bit of clashing, maybe for a little bit there. I'd say probably no on Lonzo Ball. Also, Marvin Bagley, I talked about him in my last one. He's going to need like a first-round pick. That's what the Kings are looking for, at least. And then once he gets into free agency, restricted free agency, you got to get ready to pay him as well. I think he has his, not this season, but the one after that. And then you got Mo Bamba, who has been talked about. This was more of a like January and February rumor where Mo Bamba was all over these lists and he's still here but I don't know if the Thunder would care too much about him he's just like another unique prospect like a Pokachevsky seven feet tall wingspan is off the chain it's like seven foot I want to say seven nine but that if it's incorrect there that's gonna give you a crazy picture of Mo Bamba but yeah he's got some long arms and he hasn't been able to play with Orlando this is a guy that you could bring in and try to just work around, give him the minutes, and see what happens. Al Horford's not going to be with you long-term, if possible. So it'd be Mo Bamba and Moses Brown cutting time, and you probably need to talk about Isaiah Roby having a permanent small ball five role in the rotation to make everything work out. But I think it'd be a worthwhile investment, just how much are you willing to pay? And I said this before, I think... You know, our Warriors top 20 protected pick would do that, but I don't know if you'd want to give it up for Mo Bamba, seeing as how if you just let him rest for the next two years, he's going to have absolutely no value. Or I guess if you don't move for him this season, he stays on the Magic. Next season, you're going to give him away for a second round pick. They're, they're not going to want to deal with this contract because he was picked so high. So you get him, maybe if you want to. I think that's probably a, a more reasonable pick than everybody else. I think all the other five guys I listed... They have a pretty steep offer, or they're pretty major parts of their team already, so you can't prime away. Mo Bamba, not so much. I always keep talking about Paul Reed because I love him. Might need to just rule it out there. I don't think Paul Reed's going to get moved. But yeah, I think there could be some other young guys that we get. Like I said, Shvi was really not a person thrown into any trade discussions, at least for our sake. That's probably the guy you're getting. So all these big names, I'm just getting your hopes up here. You're probably not going to see that, but you're going to get the Ty Jeromes. You're going to get the um, Javon Carters, those kinds of players where you get them and you're like, 
Why would we trade for this guy? And then he just turns into a perfect piece for our roster. So I'm completely putting my faith in Presti. Whoever we trade away, you know, some of them might hurt more than others, but I'm willing to see this rebuild kind of come into fruition. I think you guys probably should too. So we got the trade deadline tomorrow. I might do like a live stream on Locker Room if you guys are interested in that. Or, you know, I might just do a late night kind of recap of the trade deadline. That probably makes more sense. But yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. Hope you, hopefully you guys will be interested in that. If you guys are, make sure to um, hit me up on Twitter. It should be linked in the description of this podcast episode. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I really appreciate you guys listening to these podcasts and hope you all have a great day. See ya.